We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Seahawks Man to Man Podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You guys already know where to follow me. We do this all the time. Even though this is just an audio-only version, I shouldn't have to spell out my Twitter name. Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206, and that's CKID206. All right, Chris and I have had about a week's worth of training camp practices to to comb through and analyze and like overanalyze and perhaps underanalyze because neither one of us looked at the kickers and punters uh i guess there's only one kicker and one punter but ain't nobody paying attention to mike and jason right now shout out to them uh good at their jobs pro bowlers but yeah nah we ain't standing in eight degree heat and watching them kick um so we're focusing on everybody else and there's a lot to get to um they did i want to say days one two three and four were all padless of training camp day five was padded that was tuesday and then day six wednesday was padded as well shoulder pads is what i mean padded nothing nothing below the waist there so you can't still you know they're still not tackling to the ground at least not on purpose so somebody get laid out today uh today via wednesday um so just keep that in mind too that's why i won't have a lot about like running backs or it's still hard to get a good feel for the o-line or just the run defense in general like there's a big caveat around training camp you know you can't the quarterback can't be touched that's a huge deal because in the real football quarterbacks get touched russ in fact gets touched a lot more than other qbs and that's a big part of like why he was beefing last year and at least in the offseason like you know i get hit a lot training camp he doesn't get hit at all you probably get your butts uh, sent to attica if you touch russell wilson uh during training camp so no touching so Keep all of that context in mind, whether you're seeing a tweet, um, a report, you're listening to people talk about it on podcasts or YouTube or whatever. Everything comes with a grain of salt in training camp because guys can't really hit. And I mean, well, that's half the game is hitting for legitimately the other side of the ball is like hitting. That's what they do. So but we still got a chance. This is our first look. We've had six practices. How many did you come to, Chris? You have four? Three. You had three? Yep. So 
We've had uh, I've had six practices. Chris had three to get a good look at the offense. And so far, I think Chris, we're stuck on a lot of buzzwords. Like you can see us already falling into like not the narrative, like we're creating and it's coming. Uh, the offense is going to have more tempo. Um, it's like more intelligent. It's um, intricate. All these buzzwords. Um, the 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 answer is going to be short and intermediate passing. That's going to prevent Russ from getting hit. They're going to get yards at the catch and be all these things. Sadly, folks, I won't be very bad news. I'm I I just can't buy it blindly. I just can't. I I, I just don't do it. I can't. I can't do it. And I mentioned this. I was on the radio with KJR. Uh, Wednesday and I was just like I think that I and maybe Chris to an extent because he you know sits next to me when we do this and I tell him all the stuff I'm hearing all the time I have like an intimate knowledge of what was wrong behind the scenes last year that's how we were able to write the story about Russell and 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 Pete and Shadi and like Pete's kids and the dysfunction behind the scenes and so if when the new guy comes in here Mm -hmm. and He's in Shane and others, the coaches, the players. They're like, you know, we're going to go more tempo. We're going to get the ball out quicker. I just want to, it makes me think. If it was that simple, Daryl Bevel would still be here. Daryl Bevel, I only covered him for one year. Uh, but followed the team most of the time. He was DLC. He was no dummy, right? There's a reason why Doug Baldwin swore by Daryl. When, when, when Bev was under fire that, that final 2017 season, Doug was like, Bev's not the problem. He looked us in the eye in the corner of his life. I still have it on video somewhere. Uh, he was like, listen, guys, Bev's not the problem. He was like, do you guys even watch film? Doug acted as that. Were you there? Oh, you no, weren't there for that. No. It was the, right after they lost the final game of the year in 2017. He, looked, he was like, do you guys even watch film? Like, do you know what you're talking about? Like, do you do your jobs? Bev, Bev's not the problem. He was very adamant that that wasn't the problem. Bev gets fired. Shotty comes in. You guys know how that goes. Even now, Russ is like, mm, did I agree with Shotty getting fired? No. You know, it's just like, because it's not as simple as Shotty didn't think to get the ball out quicker. Chris, you ever seen Schottenheimer throw a pass in an NFL game? No. No, you have not? Oh, mm-hmm. oh okay. So so he could have thought about short to intermediate passing. Absolutely. But he but he doesn't actually throw the ball. No, no, he doesn't. No, he just okay. draws up the play for you to. Right, right. And he gives Russell the chance to change it Yeah. at the, at the line. As a quarterback, you have the ability when you see something that doesn't look right after your coordinator has called something, because I thought something Shane said today, I think you might have asked it about whether he's going to be on the field or up in the booth. Yeah, I did. I did. I was curious which one. He And he tried not to tell me. It's like, bro, what? He jokingly did, which was yeah. still weird, but he doesn't want to give out information. I don't know why, but hey, it is what it That's is. That's just like a weird quirk, though. Like, bro, what? <laughs> Why does it matter where you're going to coach from? You think the Niners or the Colts care? Like the Colts, everyone on their team has a broken foot. Like the Colts are not worried about where you are going to coach from, you know? My point being is that if you're coaching on the field, you might not see everything, right? You're going to miss things. But we're giving that, getting that view up top as an offensive coordinator and you call a play, maybe you see why Russ is audibling it. Because A, you were bringing up the point of shoddy calling a play. He's not throwing the passes. He's just giving the play to the team to run. Right. If it's not successful, yeah, it falls on him, but you also have a quarterback who is a, who is very capable of realizing, I see something I don't like, I'm going to switch the play. And then if it works out, oh, coach, this is what I saw, this is why I changed it. Oh, cool, no worries. And nine times out of ten, that might be the case. And if it's not the case, you can talk over it, see what you saw, see what Russ saw, and try to come to a conclusion so that won't happen again. Ultimately, 
bringing in Shane for the tempo and these buzzers that you mentioned earlier, I had me thinking, I wonder if we just randomly called Sean McVay up and we're like, how do you describe as a passing coordinator what Shane brought to your team? I wonder if those bud words would come up again. Tempo. Short game. Balance. Balance. The balance is a weird one. Not a weird, no, you know, the weird one, tempo is the one that really just like, because I, I, I vividly remember talking to Tom Cable about this topic in 2017 and Bev and Pete and Russ. And tempo is like, if tempo was the key to fixing all offenses, Chip Kelly would still be coaching in the NFL because <laughs> that was his thing. Let's, let's move the ball fast, tie the defense out and score. Problem with that is the defense gets paid too. Yes. Tempo requires positive plays. So, like, if you got a quarterback who's going to be top three in sacks, that's you can't move fast when there's a sack. Right? Like, play calls take a long time to get in, and you may be thinking this play's about to gain eight yards, and you lose seven. Right now, you're just like, oh damn. Like, so I think, I think that the, I think we're oversimplifying things um, and not really like analyzing what these words mean like balance uh we there today pete talked about balance yes. and what balance is and i thought that was a very interesting um answer too because pete was basically like it's the ability to do whatever you need to do whenever you want to do or whenever you need to do it um he i'm paraphrasing because the answer was very long because i asked him if it was a numerical thing you know is it 50 50 he specifically said no it doesn't mean run the ball 50 percent of the time and throw it 50 percent of the time it just means do you need to be able to do whatever you need to do when you need to do it Right, so if the if the occasion calls for um, running it, you know, because the defense is playing an X coverage or X scheme, got to be able to. You need to be able to beat them running it. Yes. And if the if the coverage calls for throwing it uh, based on this scheme or whatever, you need to be able to beat them doing it. So that's I thought that was actually a really good answer because I would I would lean toward agreeing with that, and I do think that. There was some games specifically last year where Shoddy and Pete were not on the same page there. I think the Giants game, we probably we talked about this game before on the show. I think that game is probably the best example of where Pete was looking at the Giants playing a certain scheme. I think the Rams too. The Giants and the Rams are probably the best examples. All three games against the Rams. Where they're playing a scheme that says, run it on us. Run it on us. And the Seahawks are like, No. And they lost three of those four games I just mentioned. Three against the Rams. I know. Two against the Rams, one against the Giants, and they beat the the Rams uh, one time. I think that's what Pete is getting at. And I think Shadi, or excuse me, Shane Shane, um, was asked about the short and intermediate stuff today. He also talked to, he basically brought it back to balance, which I thought was interesting. And his answer to it could set that same thing. Here's what Shane Waldron, the new OC, had to say about like balance and how the short to intermediate passing game is incorporated in their new offense. Yeah, I think to me, it's just part of having a balanced offense, you know, having a balanced offense, which doesn't mean we're conservative and say, dink and dunk all the time but you know when are those right opportunities to take completions having that completion play mindset and then moving forward to the next play so just having that good balance as as part of our system grows and you know week to week there's different things that present themselves from a defense so whatever that is that we can take advantage of that week we'll like to try to do that yeah so i think what shane's getting at is what it would call is adaptability a word chris that a word yes yeah Okay, like adaptability, the same thing Pete is kind of getting at. And if that is the case, I would legitimately be optimistic about that because I do think that at the end of the day, I don't think you need to be, you should have an efficient passing offense. Like you should, you know, aspire for that as a goal. And I don't think Pete necessarily would disagree with that, nor do I believe Shane would disagree with that. But I do think there are are a couple ways to go about it. You can have, and what, 
I wrote about this a little bit too on the athletic. You can have a run first team that forces teams to you force the defense to uh, stuff the box and then you throw over them. That's kind of Pete's preferred way of doing it. Or you could have um, like I would say the Bills have an offense kind of like this where you come out and you you're throwing and you force them to you're like okay. Um, now you're playing us a certain way that's like daring us to run, and we can kind of do that too. I think the Chiefs actually had a really maybe are a better example of that to a lesser extent. But I think didn't last year they played the Bills, I want to say, and the Bills like drop they were dropping. I think they were dropping like seven, just ran like it eight, and then Clyde Edwards Hilaire had like three two, touchdowns in the first yeah, half, like two hundred yards or something like that, like something crazy because they could do. That's probably what Pete would point to, like okay, if they take the thing away, we want to be still do our thing. And I think that he looks at those Rams games specifically and says they were taking away Tyler, they were taking away DK, and we needed a counter punch. I think I use that term as well. If that's the case, then I can be optimistic about that. But I don't the way Shane put it, I think, is a little bit better of a way than everyone else is putting it with like, oh, they're going to get the ball like even DK. Oh, we're going to get the ball out quicker. You know, that'll protect Russ. It's just like, what do we mean by we here? Because only one guy throws the ball. If he was going to get it out quicker, he'd be getting it out quicker in year 10. That's what I just think that I don't think like even Shane talking about we're not going to dink and dunk because that's not going to win you anything either. I don't think like you look at. This is the other part of we're spending a lot of time this offensive part, but I do think this matters because the offense is the biggest part. Like if they have a bad offense, they won't win a Super Bowl. The offense is great; they will. I think that people aren't looking enough at if your if your gripe is oh we didn't have a short to intermediate passing game, and you look at Russ's average depth of target from weeks ten to seventeen, it was actually really low. Like he was. That's all they had, actually. <laughs> they stopped pretty much going deep and exploding. They only had a short intermediate passing game. The problem with that is it just that's not gonna like kill people. You know, especially when you don't have a built in yards after catch, and that's not something we've seen a ton of yet. It's hard to get a gauge for yards after catch in an offense like this where, well, or in training camp where they can't tackle. Can't do nothing. Yeah. So <laughs> you don't really, really, really know. But I, I think there's a it's a, I'm splitting hairs here, but I think that's what you have to do with this offense. You know, because uh, Shiel Kapadia, shout out to Shiel, friend of the show, great does great work for The Athletic. He ranked the top 10 offenses um, heading into 2021. I don't remember where he had, do you remember where he had Seattle? We can look it up. But I think he had him in the top 10, uh, I'm pretty sure. And my point when I quote tweeted Shiel's story was that the case with all the other offenses is just like, okay, does so-and-so get better? You know, um, does, does this offensive line stay healthy? Yada, yada, yada. With Seattle, I think the unique thing about them is, how they have a top 10 offense actually matters because they had top 10 offenses with a shoddy, I'm pretty sure, every single year. But the way it, it looked in 2020 is not what Pete would have liked. So he got rid of that guy. So Shane can't just have a top 10 offense. He needs to have a top 10 offense that looks a certain way. And I think that's very unique. And that's important. So like when we're splitting hairs here, I do think that that matters. Where was Seattle? Seattle was eight. Okay. Last year, they were sixth best offense last year. And the OC got fired. <laughs> What crazy? That's not. You know what I'm saying like that's not a normal thing for the OC. The OC can leave. OC doesn't get fired when you have the sixth best offense. You win a division and you like or score more points per game than the Chiefs, which the Seahawks did last year. Um, so I the nuance there between like having a short and intermediate passing game is cool, fine. I don't think that Daryl Bevel and Shoddy didn't realize that that mattered. I do think that legitimately building an off offense that can kill you either way 
is perhaps more important. And I do think that Pete kind of believes that you have to have a certain level of like commitment to it beforehand so that you can have the counterpunch later. I think Pete feels that Shadi kind of gave up on the run early in the season to let Russ cook so that in the second half of the season when it was time to like run the ball more because teams were inviting them to outside of like Washington and Philly, who I think play a lot of single high, those split safety teams like the Giants um, or even the Rams were inviting them to run and they weren't, not just they didn't run the ball, they did run the ball. They ran the ball more in the second half of the season, but they didn't run the ball in a way that Pete felt could win them games. They could do it, but it wasn't enough to beat teams with that as a counterpunch. So, I mean, they started off 5-0. and Their they, offense was cooking. They I know played that, some bad defenses oh, absolutely. in that, in and that their stretch. Defense. How many defensive coordinators retained their jobs after, you know, um, after Not many. last season? Let's see. Who do they play? Falcons? They, Falcons, no. Falcons fired. Uh, I don't know what the Patriots did. Neither um, do I. Dallas. Cowboys got a new D.C. Miami. Uh, Dol- that was, Dolphins were the one good defense that did play. Vikings defense was absolutely garbage. Uh, Cardinals, lost I think. Arizona. Uh, yeah, and the Niners have a new D.C., but that's because... He got a head coaching the job. The other guy got a head coaching Solid, job. Yeah. So, and then it gets a little. Their offense starts. Their other defense starts to turn around. He jumps the, in there after the Buffalo game. So, I guess my point with the offense is we can move on um, to to something else. But with to put a bow on the offensive discussion, it's not enough. I don't think to just say, "All right, Russ going to get the ball quicker." Hey, Russ has to be bought into that. Yes. That's just not something we have nine years of data to suggest where Russ is comfortable throwing the ball. It's outside the numbers and kind of deep over the middle it is not like eight to ten yards in front of them it's not a lot of bubble screens um it's not it's not just dumping it off to his running backs although he does those things but that's just not like his preferred method he likes to let that thing fly right? fair Be- enough because a 40 yard pass gets you quicker to, gets you to the end zone quicker than an eight yard one so if you got a 40 yard one that you can try you can succeed there and i feel like we've seen stuff like with jimmy graham little quick passes or remember they used to run like receiver screens to like uh, jermaine curse and stuff we've you know seen it. It, it, we've it, seen it it's and those it plays work those plays work for certain players for example when Dwayne gets off the physical unable to perform list come on Dwayne eskridge oh i need to remember that there's a lot of Dwayne's out there yes Dwayne eskridge yeah. seahawks call him d he call wants to be d. called d. Eskridge, d eskridge so yeah. i'll try to remember d eskridge he is someone they bring in for those exact gadget plays. You now have that luxury now where you can say, when he's in the game, it opens it up to do all things. Bubble screens, smoke screens, quick screens, sweeps, reverses. All of that comes into play. You can even throw a DK just because he's a freak of nature. Be careful. Rams might pick six that. You got to be careful with the screen. But go ahead, go ahead. Hopefully not. They did that last season. Yeah, they did. It ended their season. Yeah. That's what all I have to say with the offense. It just depends on your weapons. And right now, with the weapons they have, even with Freddie Swain, he is a guy that's capable of doing it. Is he blazing speed? No, but he's deceptive. I like, I'm going to use your word, deceptive. He gets out there and he breaks away. You're like, how do he do that? He just does it. That's just Freddie Swain. But Diaz Grid is one guy who I'm excited to see once his toe gets healed up to see how they implement him into the offense. Because right now, he it's two weeks in and he's – Zero reps. And that's tough on him, but when he does get his shot, I'm going to be curious to see what he does because we saw today Penny Hart, 
I want to say it was a jet sweep. I didn't see the exact handoff. I was blocked by some players, but he was able to take it to the house. He broke free, and I would assume that play would be for D. Eskridge because, hey, this is the guy you brought in for this exact reason, but because D's out, you know what, Penny, here's your shot, and he did exactly what he needed to do, found the end zone. Those are plays. Those are gadget plays when you use those situational and you have the pieces for it, not for a guy that you're you wouldn't run that maybe for a tie locket. He's not shifty. You can, but it wouldn't. I don't think it would work out unless everything was perfect. The guys who I think it will work for can make a guy miss on the first defender that comes up. D. Eskridge, Freddie Swain, DK just run right through you. Those are three guys I would like to see doing it, and that just comes down to a situational thing. Quick screens to the, who the, those three guys I just mentioned. Offense is all about implementing things because as you said the defense they're very good they're they get paid too <laughs> the, the thing i'm afraid of is that they they try to do a little and then the defense had a problem with this last year i think um is you you try to be good at everything that you don't master a thing i think that might be isn't something. there a rule uh yeah, jack of all trades master and none is there the it is yeah so I, that's kind of my fear right now is that they yeah try to have like bubble screens and no no, no just, that's and, cool to and, have it but and well, it's it's good to have everything, yes. but it's good to also master something too. So I think if they are the type, they want to be the type of team that okay, we're we're gonna come out and run first, and then teams are gonna have to respect that, and then all right, well now we'll we'll throw it over their heads when they're um when we have the numbers game in our favor in the passing game. We've seen that work. I just don't like that. I don't think that that's gonna win you a championship. I just I just really don't. I think that you're better off forcing teams to back you off i think because because then the the pass is already established yeah you don't have you, to establish you can the do run. what you want now you yeah. have established that we can throw it on you so what are you gonna do about it yeah we can it, either keep throwing it which you probably should just keep doing we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Or you, or you pound it on him, and I think that exactly. if, if you have a Chris Carson, it's better. He can get hard yards, but I think that if if the other team knows you're going to come out passing, they're going to give you those split safety looks. All right, 
let Chris run into those light boxes. Don't come out there trying to pound it into eight-man boxes because you want to establish some level of toughness. Like, this is a jail, and you're throwing the first punch at your cellmate. You know, I just don't think that you have to you have to do that. I don't think that's the—I know Pete would disagree. Actually, I know he disagrees, but that's kind of my, my fear. This is a long-winded way saying we're halfway into the damn show, but that's a long-winded way of saying that I have legit skepticism about the offense because it wasn't as simple as— Russ gets the ball out quicker. Let's go to Disney World. I just know it wasn't. If it was that simple, they would have went to Disney World already. Well, right? and went to someone Disney World was still, Malcolm Smith, and someone would still have their job. Everyone would still have jobs. <laughs> Everyone. Doug might have not retired if they, if it was that simple. You know, like put it like that. So Sheesh. we can move on to the other side of the ball. But that that's kind of what I've been kind of gathered from training camp. Not just what it looks like so far, but just. What do people, how would you describe it? What do people believe philosophically? Because how the philosophy looks offense, offensively will determine whether this team can compete for a championship. It's that, that simple. Sense? Yeah. It's that simple. It sounds, man. Man, that was a long winded way. But that's important, though, because everyone wants to know about the offense, the offense, the offense. We can't talk about the defense, though. I do want to talk about the defense. Um, Shield was, wasn't nice on this one. Yeah, it was not a good week for the Seahawks defense um, in like national rankings. I think. I think it was somebody at ESPN. I want to say Mike Clay or somebody at ESPN had like a roster projection for all the teams. So 52 man, 53 man roster projection for all 32 teams and like ranked each position group based on those projections. I don't know if local beat writers helped out. Maybe Brady Henderson of ESPN helped a dude with the ranking projection. But either way, I think the cornerback group like like ranked like last. Basically, it means the Seahawks had the worst cornerback group. Uh, our Shield Kapadia again. He ranked. All of the defenses in the NFL heading into 2021 had Seattle at 22. At um, worse. Yeah. Um, I think they were 16th last year. I th- want to say by like DVOA. I forget what Shields using. Got worse um, with a better defensive line. That's uh, crazy. Um, Yeah. Yeah. For the, yeah, for the <laughs> most part. And then um, what was the other one? Oh, PFF. Pro Football Focus ranked every defensive line and in Seahawks the league and had what? the Seahawks 29th. So it's just a bad week. Um Bad, like maybe like two weeks for Seattle in terms of national rankings. So here's here's my thing. Let's go. We start start with corners. Start let's start. With, let's start with the DBs and corners because personally, for me, it's I get why national writers are putting out their little faith of the Seahawks corners. For one, DJ Reed was in a position last year where he was everywhere. He didn't really hone in on the spot and lock it down. He was good that he can play everywhere, which isn't a bad thing. That was great. But based on what the national media is saying, we haven't seen him doing one thing specifically. This season, he has an opportunity to be a number one starter, which means he's going to get targeted a lot more. He's going to have more opportunities to get beat and make plays. Correct. To go hand in hand. Yes, they do. Akello Witherspoon from the 49ers. We were talking about this at training camp. We were talking about the plays he got pulled in or the games where he was pulled because of Errors he made. That probably plays a role into why the Seahawks defense is ranked lower than it was last season based on their cornerbacks because the corners have a lot to prove. It's not a it's a it's a slight jab at them, but at the same time they're not gonna jump over them and say they're gonna be great because they foresee a color witherspoon having his best season yet with the Seahawks. They see DJ Reed building off of what he was able to do last season, moving all around, playing slot, playing right corner, playing left corner. This is the unknown, and they're taking it. We haven't seen enough, so why would I give them the benefit of the doubt? I think that's totally fair. Now the chip is on the Seahawks defender's shoulder saying, bet. Not that they really care or pay attention to this. But oh, let's they say, care. They care. Let's say they do catch wind of this. 
of course it's going to motivate them. They're going to come out and try to prove something because they know when healthy, they are probably one of the top 10, if not top 12 defenses in this league. Not to mention, we had Coach Hurt on, D-line coach, and what did I ask him about? I asked him about having a good pass rush versus having mid-corners. His answer was simple. You still got to have good corners. You still got to have guys that can go out there and play. I think Akello and DJ are good corners. We are going to find out because they're going to be tested, but I also want to add that that defensive line got better. And it's going to be tough for me to say just off – on paper, what I'm seeing right now, that they're going to be the 22nd best defense in the NFL. In my opinion, based on who's on paper, you lose Quentin Dunbar, okay, cool. He wasn't even healthy when he was out there. He was playing on, a, on one leg, and it wasn't beneficial. Shaquille Griffin had an up-and-down season. He had high moments, and he had his low moments. And now you bring in Akella Witherspoon, who has a lot to prove after what happened with San Francisco, and you have DJ Reed, who's looking to prove himself moving forward as a number one corner in the NFL, despite his size. I'm excited for this team. I do not think they are the 22nd best defense in the NFL. I don't have. I don't know. I have a. I don't have a grasp around the rest of the league where I would. If I was to sit down and do one of those, it would probably take me a long time. Take um, me a long time as well, based to, on to, what to I've seen. To be fair to Shield, he does his research. Like he just dropped a whole playbook going in depth on literally every team. Yep. With tons of numbers, tons of film work, like probably some reporting as well. Um, he's just. He knows what he's doing. He's not just like. It's not he, just coming out the, the blue with it. He's not the equivalent of some of these lists you see from like random talking head on NFL Network or like whatever. Like I think there's been a lot of dudes who have put out like dumb lists and you'd be like, who, who, who ranked this? Like it's bad. <laughs> he does his work. Um, even if you can disagree with it, he, he did the work. I think the best way to describe the quarterback group right now is a lot of potential. But I think when you're ranking a group. You're not banking you, on potential. You are, this get, is you not are, the uh, best defense based on potential. Because I guarantee it would be twenty seconds. You're 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 um you're you're focused a little bit more on production. There like, it what is. have you done versus what do I think you can do? There it is. So I think that's why you don't see a benefit of the doubt. And for the most part, if I was ranking teams, I would probably look at that as well. Makes who sense. has the most who has the largest number of guys who I can predict their 2021 success based on what they have done before. I'm mad at it. That is that I think is very fair um, for the for the most part. I don't know if I'd have I'd have to look at the cornerback groups. I don't know if I'd have Seattle last. I think that. But that's based on what he's do, seen. Do it do it at ESPN. I think he might be. He might. I think that's that's a little cold. <laughs> but but look at like you said. Look at the starting lineup. Your top three corners right now are Marquise Blair. Entirely DJ. potential. Entirely. We yes. have seen nothing. We've seen, We've seen him one play. We, or one quarter, was it? He played one full game against Atlanta oh, it was a full game. and got hurt me. against the Patriots. Okay, so, so that's one like, game. I All can right. count how many snaps that was, but it, at corner, that's not a ton. Uh, and yes. then DJ has a lot of potential. That was his, He had a really good year. He had never really played on the outside like that yeah, he was time. all over. He was so, doing his thing. So I think that's – and then as you're looking at Akello, it's a lot of potential, tons of potential. We've seen him at camp. That boy is he, – he can he – can, he can do some special things. Yeah, he, I, I, I'm about to cuss on here. Well, you're good no, to he, go, he, man. He, he, no, that's cool. He can he can play. Yes, he can definitely play. Talent is not the. That's what I, my next point was going to be. Talent is not the problem. I don't think. I think DJ Reed is very talented. I think he's as talented as any corner that they've had in the post LOB era. I think that he's probably just as talented as any any non Browner, non Sherm corner that the Seahawks have had in the last decade or so. So you look at like a... He Jay, reminds me of a better Jeremy Lane. Like a Jay Lane. You look at Jay Lane, D-Shed, exactly. Coach Shed yes. now. Um, 
Uh, who was the other dude? Brother uh, got paid by Philly. Um, Byron Maxwell. Byron Maxwell. Um, the, I think that DJ is probably like from just a talent standpoint, from just toughness, reaction, mentality, athleticism. Um, I think probably right there. Akello, uh, I would. I don't know. I need to see him up close a little bit more. Maybe watch some more San Francisco stuff. But I would. I don't think talent's his problem either. Like the, just consistency. The Niners clearly thought he could start. He started a bunch there. Like um, he just was inconsistent and hurt. So talent is not there. But if you're if you if you're just if your argument is here's what they could be in 2021. That's harder. To, it's harder to base that off. It's harder to base an assessment off of that just potential versus like okay, what have these guys done? And I'm talking about just like PFF grades or something like that. Like go watch their films. Go read some reports to get some context on when guys are playing hurt or scheme fits or whatever. And then come back to me. I, w- I think I'm a little higher on the group just because I do see the talent. That's respectable. Yep. I do see the talent. And I know that. And you've been there six days. Getting, uh, well, getting the field. Even that, just like if, you're, if your biggest issue is consistency, I do think that like a lot of that is upstairs like mentally and coaching behind the scenes. And it's hard for me to get a feel with who's going to be, who, who can battle that and who cannot. I mean, that was Shaq's problem sometimes too. Like his 2017 was pretty promising. And then his 2018 um, took a dive. And then his 2019 was fantastic. And then his start to 2020 wasn't great. Roller and then coaster. his end to 2020 was really solid. So, I mean, I mean, he never was like, he never hit a low, like um, some of his other, like to the point where a team was really to give up on him. Mm. But um, I, I think like that, that's another thing. Like I knew he mentally could bounce back from that though. So I, I get why if you're just trying to gauge every team from a national perspective that you're, you're not willing to get that benefit of the doubt. I do. I'm with you though. D line. I don't know how you get 29. I don't know how you get 29. I know Jay reads a big loss, but if you're just isolating D line, they got better. That's that was my biggest takeaway. They didn't, it's not as if they didn't bring back Carlos Dunlap. They didn't bring back Ben Simeola. They They lost Jay Reed and those three spots are open. They got both all three of those guys back outside of Jay Reed. No, yeah, Jay Reed. Jay Reed's not. Yeah, Jay was, Reed's gone. So out of those two, they got Benson and they got Carlos back. So and I, so I think that and they got Kerry Harder, who was yeah, dominant. Kerry Alden Smith, who I looks like he's a beast. He's he, and I'm not saying he can play. They're going to be the best defense in the NFL based on that. But my goodness, you added talent and they did it last season they see that's the thing. So that's where just like we we're talking about potential versus production. They produced. The D line has produced. They did uh, it in the second half of the last season. Well, no, no, I'm talking about the new guys that you even bring then, in. Like with the new guys, all the Seahawks all. defense alone produced in the second half of the season. I, well, I can't. Well, I can't just ignore the first half though. So I mean, true, like, absolutely. With not. the exception of Carlos Dunlap, I do think everyone they else for the man yes, has a absolutely. has a very up and down year the same way because you know Carlos really helped change the unit getting yep. small back. But I think just even if you were to just like all right, pluck Jay Reed, move Puna to three technique. Add Al Woods. I do think that if you do that, and then you add Kerry Hyder, who again produced, and if you add Alton, <laughs> eight and a half Al- sacks. Oh, I say Alton, Alden, Alden Smith. Smith, who again produced. I I don't know how I would move that group backwards. <laughs> That's by that same logic. I just cannot. I just cannot be just tough. just looking at what what they were what those what the additions were able to. It's not like they added guys like like if you if if you don't know what to do with like Daryl Taylor, fine. We don't know what he looks like in a game. Although in practice, that dude looks, looks like, like a he monster. reminds me a lot of Frank, a lot of a young Frank, strong, physically, quick, like just like no, it's really bendy. Like it's just if you talk to anybody about Frank Clark, they'll tell you 
well, talk about Frank on the field, they will tell you that his get off the ball was crazy. Daryl Taylor is very similar. He just he just comes off the ball and it's like it's like a rocket ship. It's it's pretty impressive. Um, but if you don't know what to do with him or how to gauge that, that's fine. I understand maybe not knowing what to do with that. But Vincent Mayo produced last year. Alden Robinson produced. Carey yeah. produced. Alden Smith produced. produced. <laughs> Carlos Dunlap produced. Even Puna Ford and his limited like three technique that's why you got uh, paid. reps produced so i think that that i don't know I, that one i don't really have like i could kind of rationalize where shields coming from a little yeah, it makes bit. sense that's why i pointed out the fact that based on what he's seen with dj reed and akello well she looked at the defense as a whole and i that do think as well and he's accounting for a really big loss on kj's part and i actually do agree like kj like i i, I had someone with intimate knowledge of the defense tell me over the offseason it was like if we lose kj right we're losing that's like losing two players is what what that what I was told. It was yeah. like that's like losing two good players at one position, like when in one guy. So I mean, there there is there there is that. So I think that's kind of where Shields coming from. I don't. I'm really high on the D line. I really do. Like, give me the D line. Like, put the D line uh, juices on like a spoon or whatever, and put a lighter <laughs> under it, and I'm gonna get high. You gotta shoot up. I, I'm a sh- uh, yeah. I'm gonna get a. I'm gonna get high off of what the D line is selling me. Yeah, no, I I, I'm in on that. I'm because you know what I think too is that even though they're not a team with like a star, like you look at like someone like the Rams, they have a lot of high end talent, like at the top. I think the Niners too, even look at like the Steelers, the Steelers were like, I think they might've been number one on PFF's list. All these teams, like even new Orleans has like a guy or a couple guys where you're like, Oh, they're even the jets. Um, they loaded up like, like that Franklin Myers kid, Carl Lawson's a beast. Like they have dudes, um, Quentin Williams, they have just top end. I think the Seahawks have like, even if they're not, even off on any given day, they don't have the best pass rusher on the field, or even the second best. They might have the next six. Yeah, it's you know crazy. what I mean. So it's, it's like crazy. they might have three through eight. If you like, okay, who's the best ten defensive lineman in this game? Okay, you play the Rams. They might have the top two. You know, they got Leonard and they got um, Aaron Donald. All right, cool. Those are your top two. Then the Seahawks probably have like the next eight. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, like, and then, or maybe I'm exaggerating, but you get my point. I get, yeah. So I think that that depth at that particular, if that was the case at corner, I think it wouldn't matter because you're only playing three, four corners at a time. So having a ton of depth there doesn't matter in any given game. You're going you're to play all nine defensive line. They're going to get a big rotation. You want everybody fresh. So I do think having depth there should be taken in a little bit of uh, more account than I think that some of the, any rankings, not just PFF or whatever, do. Only with D-line. And if we're talking about pass rush and you don't include Jamal Adams, then you're true. That's just what, come on, what are we doing here? Like Man, Jamal led has the team to be in included. Sacks. He led the team in sacks. Broke I the record. Second in pressures total, according to True Media. I think Jay Reed might have had the most pressures. So, like, if you're, if you say Jay Reed's a big loss, I do agree like that. He had like six and a half sacks, led the team in pressures. Like, he was very effective. Like, I understand that that is a loss. I do think that more of Puna Ford at three technique and their kind of new defensive front will kind of like Balance offset yeah okay yeah offset supplement whatever okay whatever yeah. word we want to use to it'll do talk it. about yeah it'll 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 it's not the same exact thing but i think it'll get the job done uh so i i think the d-line i'm really i mean you look at them in camp man one on, they had one-on-ones on like tuesday and it was re- it was some good work the old line wasn't getting trashed like it was a legit battle good battles yeah. um to the point where i was looking like man i forgot about like a rasheem green who led this team in sacks once now that was only with he four. looks scary with that neck um, brace might i add he does look like old school <laughs> brian bosworth type of um scary with the neck brace but like alton robinson had like two sacks in today. practice today yeah it was crazy they were talking line. about like he would 
Man, Alden on, Smith on came out there. And yeah. just, Alden Smith, boy, I seen him go through a tackle today, and I was like, good God, this guy is like. See, I've got a gym. The, the problem with Alden Smith there is like they're counting on three things that his career has not suggested that he can, that you can rely on year to year, and that's staying sober. And that's of Alden's own omission, you know, uh, staying sober, staying out of trouble, and staying in good condition physically. They're counting on all three of those things to stay like in good standing over the course of a season. Can that happen? Of course. Do I hope that happens for Alden just as a dude? At least especially those uh, first two things, staying out of trouble and staying sober, 100%. But I do think that like you, uh, you talk about what has someone done in the past, they're gambling on all three of those things coming together at once. And if they do, I think Seattle's in a good spot because I think that dude, he could lead them in sacks. Yeah. That's how good he is. Because, yeah, going back to Shields' reasoning for the Seahawks being 22nd, you know, he mentioned what they brought back, but then his biggest question mark was, again, the corners, and that's why I ended up talking about the corner situation because he wrote final two sentences, Pete Carroll is still going to employ his own heavy scheme that leans heavily on cover three. Seattle need multiple corners to step up for this defense to perform better than it did a year ago. And he's actually correct on that. No, I think I, he's 100% with it because, as I mentioned earlier, what we saw from DJ, yeah, it was great, but he was all over the place. He wasn't honed in as, this is your spot. He could just, hey, we need you here this Sunday. Oh, we need you here on Thursday. Oh, we need you here back on Monday. How about this again on Sunday? Cool, I got you. And he did it. Right. Now you're bringing in Akello, who had troubles with coaching staff, didn't got de- got pulled late in games for errors he made, mental mistakes, whatever it may be. And now he finds a home with Seattle and now has an opportunity to prove himself. So Shell's looking at it from the standpoint of he's got a lot to prove. I don't think that though it's you can never mention the Seahawks defense without mentioning that they might have the best safety duo in the league. Like I, I just, I, I, that just matters to me. Yeah, I don't know. Andre slept on, to be honest. Yeah, which is crazy. But I don't, I don't think like she'll sleeping on. I think she'll. No, 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 I, I just no, think no, like not, not in general. Chill, I just think but. in general, like when I'm watching, I was thinking about it yesterday. I tweeted it the other day. I was like, man, what the hell were the Lions doing trading Quandre? Yeah, Dix you tweeted for a that. And someone pick? sent you a video of the interception. <laughs> oh my goodness! I was like, yo, how is? Like I understand sometimes players just got to get traded. Whatever. I'm fine. Like when the Texans traded D Hop, I was like, okay, what they get for him? Oh, that's what they got for him. Now the trade's stupid. You know, like if the Jets Jets traded Jamal Adams for two firsts, you know what? Okay. I feel it. Jacksonville wanted to get rid of Jalen Ramsey for two firsts. I feel it. You know what? Okay. Dolphins, Larry Tunzel, two firsts. I actually probably wouldn't have done that but because left tackle was so hard to find. But, I, again, I get the the larger picture. Like even the Raiders dumping Khalil Mack for two firsts. Okay. That's fine. Um, but they got rid of Quandre Diggs, a young defensive captain, like one year into his like contract extension for a fifth and they gave up a seventh as well stupid but i think that seattle will have the best safety duo in the league now i'm not going to put an asterisk on that comment but i do want to point out that i think jamal sitting out because of his contract situation which if he's going to do that that's fine get your money big dog we want him to get paid right yeah man want to get paid i do think that seattle because jamal is so different than his backups ryan neal marquise blair um uh, undrafted dude Josh Moon I think because he is so different than those guys like stylistically they are missing out on valuable practice time to get him into the system it's not like they're running a whole new scheme in, 20, in 2021 they're running the same stuff but I do think that you need reps with Jamal as like kind of like a I don't want to call him a Swiss Army knife because I feel like a Swiss Army knife is like okay at everything but not great at one thing jamal is great at a couple things so i I do think you need those reps though you need because you know what jamal also does he like 
He freelances too, and he kind of when he sees something, he goes. He does his thing. And everybody else needs to know what to do when he does that. Don't freak out. <laughs> That's right. one of them. Because <laughs> I think I think I think Cam kind of had those instincts as well. Um, and it was kind of unspoken. Like Sherm saw the thing. Cam saw the thing. Cam went. Sherm knew what to do. There it is. Earl knew what to do. If Cam saw a thing or Earl saw a thing, Cam knows how to recover for Earl or whatever. Up front, Cliff Abel talks about this all the time. If you ever have a chance to talk to him. Um, he'll be like, Mike B just jumped into a new gap. So we just had to, because he saw something and then that was it. You know, like you have to, you have to practice that stuff like that though. You can't just, all right, guys, uh, this is the play. Cover three, weak side, buzz, whatever. Boom, here's my job. Oh, Jamal sees something goes in motion. He's like, it's like, yo, bro, what happened to the weak side buzz? What you talking about? You got to know, you got to, you got to practice that. You got to hear the calls because Quandre makes a lot of calls in the secondary as well. You got to get used to those calls and what that means and what that means for this player versus this player. And so I just think they're losing valuable reps. I think right now, not being able to implement a dude who is unique. He's not like you can just, all right, we don't it's have a BFG, to, man. Yeah. You know, we don't, what's the BFG stand for again? Big gun. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so I did, if you have Jamal and okay, you, now you don't have Jamal. So you put in Ryan Neal. It's not just that Ryan Neal is not Jamal Adams. I think Ryan Neal is a good player. He's stylistically different than Ryan than uh, Jamal Adams. Like you look at some of these other DBs trying to blitz the uh, quarterback, it's not the same. Jamal's different. He's different at it. So it's not to say that once they start, once whenever he gets paid and they start playing games, that they'll be just be lost and Jamal won't know what the hell's going on. But I do think like this is the time. This is the time they needed last year. You know, two preseason games to be like, okay, when Jamal sees this, Quanjay knows like I got I gotta do this. Or Akello needs to know like, all right, if I'm gonna do this, Jamal's doing this. You know, like there's a, there's a feel to it. There's a chemistry. Uh, we talk about recreating the Legion of Boom, and not only were all those dudes freaking psychos, uh, basically that on Legion of Boom and super talented, they knew each other really well. Cam and Sherm could look at each other, rub each other, rub their noses and be like, oh, Sherm sees this, you know, like yep. right before the snap. And they communicated on their own. The communication was so good. They were basically a damn near on a string, like a good basketball team. That's not the case right now. This is when you get on a string, though. This is string building time. Well, hopefully you know? he gets his bag soon. No, I, yeah, like, see, I don't need to quit playing. Just pay the man. Like, I just, because this is, it's not just like, oh, yeah, when we get him, we get him. No, nah, man, you need time to, because he's so different. He's so different than a Cam. He's so different than a Tedrick Thompson or a Bradley McDougal, guys that have played in the scheme in recent years. He's so different. So you got to use this time to get him in there. Get in there and have him make mistakes. Then you correct him in the film room the next day, like. You don't have that time now. Now he'll just go out there, and if he does freelance and everyone's not on the same page, the other team might score. Yeah, that's <laughs> you a know, big, big, it could be an issue. Yeah, so that's that's my only thing. But other than that, once he does play, though, he's, he's going to be a baller. He's going to be he's gonna help them against the run. He's going to help them in the passing game. He's going to make plays behind the line of scrimmage in the, pa- in the passing game and the running game. We saw it in Atlanta. And they're probably <laughs> going to have, again, they're probably going to have the best safety pairing or top two, top three in the league. That matters to me. I don't. I'm still. Jerry's still out for me on like Jordan Brooks replacing KJ. I think I need to see pads there. That would really matter because linebackers do so much hitting that like like I see hit somebody. I just do. Only person I seen hit somebody so far is a Josh Moon dude just laid Gerald Everett out <laughs> today. That Josh Moon dude trying to make the team boy. I, like he. I don't know if it's undrafted rookie, but he's like I'm gonna make the squad. He laid he laid that dude out. But until then I can't say much about Jordan and KJ. But the other positions, man, I do think I feel I feel good about. Like you said Quandre is slept on. I think Quandre, man, is like 
low key the most underrated up man. there. He's he's really really important, man, because it's his job. Like you can see him out there on the field, everybody else can't see. We can see it. his his job to be like, oh hey. hey you go there. You see how he's doing that? You see that formation that they're in right there? That means this. Okay, so that means... And this is all right before the snap. There's yeah. no coach. No, Bobby's already gave everybody the call. The front's already set because Bobby says the front as the Mike linebacker. And Quandre's done. He'd be like, hey, Ugo, blah, 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 blah. Hey, Akello, blah, 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 blah. Oh, they snapped it? Okay, now we're, you know, we're, going. we're doing our thing. Um, so, like, for example, Shane Waldron talked about how... Um, this was on Wednesday. He talked about how it's hard to run something on this Seahawks defense twice and get away with it mm. because they adjust. The DBs will like match it. They'll pattern match it um, and adjust to what they're doing. Part of that is Quandre. Yep, he's calling the stuff in the back end. Like, all right, guys, they got bias with this and this. Here's how we're gonna fix that. And that's like on the fly. You don't have a lot of time to adjust to that. And so I think that's why Pete was so happy to get him because Tedrick just didn't bring them that. I say Tedrick didn't have some talent. Um, hope he makes the team in Denver, but he just didn't bring them that. Quadre has seen a lot of ball. He's real smart, real athletic, blah, blah. Um, so I think when, when I'm looking at the defense, like when I'm out there at practice, there's a lot of plays being made against what I expect to be a top 10 offense. Quadre making plays, Akello making plays, DJ making plays, like um, the rookie free agent dude. Ashari Crosswell. He is making plays. He's going to make this team. You said it in your story, what, well, last week? I, I, I told you that probably like two, a week ago, two weeks ago. I think I think that dude's going to make the team. And he and, keeps making and plays. he had two picks today. He's uh, climbing up that depth chart. Oh, yeah, on top of having a pick in rookie camp. Like, I see DBs making plays. So, like, and now we spent a lot of time on the defense. But It's all good. Yeah, from from what I've seen, I don't think – it's, there have been some years where I've been like, there's there's a talent issue here. Like <laughs> Not I, this season. I, I remember thinking that in 2018, um, I don't know if I ever wrote it explicitly, but I remember thinking in 2018 camp when Earl was holding out, thinking, oh boy. this is not the Legion of Boom. It's it's not. Because um, you remember that's when they had just traded Sherm. Uh, Cam was off the roster, or he was hurt. Um, they had Dante Johnson starting at corner for a while, then Byron Maxwell, and, I'm, and they moved Shaquille over. Shaquille, who was, he did look good in camp that year. But in general, I remember, that is one year I remember thinking, hmm, this, this might not be great. You know, this this ain't it. No, I knew Frank was going to have a good year. Frank was, oh, Frank's a beast. But, like, I don't have that same concern here. The offense does get away with some plays, and it's going to happen. I mean, can't the, make plays with the ball. When the, well, and it's going to happen when the quarterback can't be touched. Yeah. You can put the quarterback on the ground. Not only does that disturb the timing of things, that gets in quarterbacks' heads. Now, now their clock gets sped up. Now they got hit three times in the first you know, first quarter. So you got to take some things with a grain of salt. But I don't think talent, they're lacking for talent. I do think, like, if they want to go get Xavier Howard, like, sure, like he's one of the best corners in the league, but they won't. So I think that as it stands right now, if this if the if the starting eleven, um, on, I'd say starting twelve, I'll, I'll include nickel and base. If I was to throw out there a killer Witherspoon, Marquise Blair, DJ Reed, Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs, Jordan Brooks, Bobby Wagner, um, Alden Smith, Al Woods, L.J. Collier, Puna Ford, and Carlos Dunlap, that's gonna get it done. I think that's scary. Yeah, I think I think that's gonna I think that's gonna get it done. Now it helps because Carson Wentz has a broken foot, uh, and so does Indy's best player Quentin Nelson. But in general, I think that gets it done. Like even week two against the Titans or whatever. On top of having a good rotation up front, talent is not the thing. They do have a lot of potential that hasn't produced, but I don't know how you can look at either side of the ball really and say talent's the issue. I think if you just look at the NFC, 
Seattle probably has the third most talented roster. I think Tampa Bay is like clearly Stacked. the number one. Yeah, they brought back all their starters <laughs> from a championship team. That's just how that goes. But after that, you're looking at um, Green Bay, the Rams, mm-hmm. and I think Seattle right there. I think Seattle. I can't put the Niners up there until I see their quarterback situation. I just, no, I can't do that. But those three right there, I think those three are all right there as the top three or four most talented teams. It's just a matter of, again, we talked about philosophy with the offense. It's just a matter of that. And it's a matter of the potential producing with the defense. If you don't think the potential will turn into production on the defense, sure, that's fine. But there's definitely talent there. It won't be a case of like even going into the 2019 season. I was a little worried about their pass rush because I think that's when they <sighs> traded Frank. I was. You not. could feel that talent was an issue. I remember looking at Nas Jones and being asking, "Where's the pass rush going to come from?" He's I like, remember Shoot. we added up how many sacks, you know, would be good enough based on what we saw from other teams. But I think it was like maybe 48. Maybe those. I think that was the high that year. Something. Oh, high. they ended up real low, like in the 20s. It or something. was. Oh, we yeah. we were trying to gauge like oh, if they, if they yeah. get like 37. Oh. It was, yeah, see, it I was think, tough. I think this team will talent is not is not an issue. Depth could be else other than the front line, but I mean that's every team, you know, has depth issues. But I think I think talent's there from what I've seen in six. We'll see at the mock game. The mock game will be really really, really telling. Really telling. Um hopefully everyone comes out of it healthy because the back seven doesn't have a lot of depth, I don't think. Front uh front line, yes, back seven, no. Same thing with the O line. Not a lot of depth there. But in general, the six days of training camp have taught me, A, never wear a black t-shirt because it's hot as hell. <laughs> Keep my head on a swivel for Blitz the mascot because he keeps sneaking up on me. He snuck up on me twice now. Stop throwing shade, man. I didn't do nothing to him. He snuck up on me. He's anyway. seen your tweets. How he got, how, how he you block him? How he read Twitter? He got, he got no thumbs. All right, see, this is what I'm talking no about. This is exactly what I'm talking about. No throwing fingers. shade. He got no fingers. He can't get on the computer. Anyway, this is my lessons. My other lesson is that this team has a lot of talent. And they're working out a lot of kinks right now, but offensively, the philosophy will matter a lot more than um, than pretty much anything else that we're talking about. And defensively, they have a lot of potential in the back end that I think is going to produce. And up front, I think they're that's whole units being underestimated. I think those guys are going to be nasty. That summarizes it, man. I think I'm excited for this season, man. To oh, your point, can I plug something before we get out of here? Absolutely. Uh, by the time this drops, my Puna Ford story should be out. On, on the athletic yes the beast the man that got his bag yeah please go please I, I don't know what the headline will be i don't i don't write those things but yeah out on the athletic check that out everyone wants to everyone wanted me to write about puna and ugo um i couldn't write about ugo for technical difficulties but i did write about puna and so yeah enjoy that puna's a good dude hope hope he balls out this year i think he will Matter of fact, I know he will, but I want to thank you guys for tuning in for another Seahawks Man to Man episode. This is audio only, obviously, but yeah, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. We got more interviews and stuff coming. We got more video content coming. Uh, we're working on it. We can't be close to the players, so technical difficulty there as well. <laughs> Big but time. We are, we are working on it. We'll have some interviews with you this, this training camp. Let us know who you want on the show. We'll do our best. On that note, we're out.
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.